2: fantasy freaks and geeks what's up you're listening to nfl fantasy live podcast james co here your host we got the whiz kid from wisconsin alex gelhar not behind the glass today excited to be outside again uh we appreciate the efforts and the help From our senior producer of NFL Fantasy Live, Dylan Milner. Bro, I've been here the whole time. Yeah, buddy. Plus, we got the powerful oracle of prognostication. The slayer of spreadsheet cells. The master of formulas. We have analytics expert Cynthia Freeland in the building. What's up?
1: Wow. Not only did I get to hear our Fantasy Live music, which yeah. I really miss, okay. <laughs> it's like my favorite one to dance to, but that was a really nice intro. <laughs> that
3: was good. That was a really nice That was like get. half wrestling introduction, half Game of Thrones. Uh, I know. I felt like,
1: I mean, it good. really set Perfect. this up well. Thank you.
2: Yes, absolutely. Uh, by the way, we welcome in those folks on Facebook Live.
1: I was told there would be no video. <laughs>
3: uh, yeah. Well, it's a tiny Fine. phone camera. You're. It's, it's a-
1: cool. It's cool. I didn't brush my hair. We're good. <laughs>
3: It looks great. It looks that like that relaxed, peachy. that relaxed SoCal vibe. Exactly. <laughs>
1: yep. Ooh, uh,
2: right. So it's good. Uh, we're good. Uh, we're gonna be talking about the AFC South today. We're gonna be talking extensively about Andrew Luck. Some good, uh, well, some interesting news certainly out of Indianapolis. There, we're gonna be breaking down uh, a 12-team PPR mock draft. We just got done. Uh, as well so that should be a lot of fun and again we'll talk about the texans we'll talk about the titans we'll talk about the colts we'll talk about the jaguars alan robinson nuke hopkins demarco murray we're gonna try to get the great matt Harmon on the phone it's been a while since we've heard his uh, baritone voice,
1: the international stylings, <laughs> international. Well, he's taken it. He's taken it international. Now. He
2: has indeed. Uh, we will try to get him on the phone. We we never know when we make a call into the wild if it actually works, but uh, we'll see. And if he's available, we shall discuss some wide receivers with the wide receiver prognosticator himself, Matt Harmon. But we start the show as always with your top headlines.
4: The camera highlights in the world of sports. Breaking news. Breaking
1: news.
2: Breaking
4: news. Breaking news.
0: Whistles, though. I like turtles. We continue to follow breaking news. watch the news because I'm a kid. So y'all need to have your kids, Has your wife.
2: All right, Andrew Luck says the rehab on his shoulder is going well, but also admitted that he has not started throwing yet. It's been a while, man. Luck had surgery on his throwing shoulder in January to fix what owner Jim Ursay called, quote, simple labrum repair. Where do you have Andrew Luck ranked Alex Gelhar, and does the news concern you? I had
3: him at, uh, I think, of my QB three or four before, but now that his progress is a little slower and we don't know anything, so I'll probably slide him down just a touch. He'll still be in the top ten, but in that back half, I might push guys like... Uh, Russell Wilson ahead of him now, or Drew Brees, maybe even Marcus Mariota after all the additions they've made Very in passing attack.
2: How about for yourself, Cynthia?
1: Top five for sure, and I'm not worried about him one bit. Not one bit? Nope, not one bit. Why not? I feel like he's just a little bit more honest than a lot of guys we hear, okay. right? Like you're never gonna. <laughs> I mean, fair. like I, I, just don't think he's gonna. He's not. If something were really wrong, then maybe we'd hear less, or they wouldn't let him get on the podium, right? But it's, it's still, you know, it's still June. Last I checked, and it's Andrew early. Luck is an elite scoring quarterback, and he now has this improved defense, which, by my math, means that his offense gets better chance to have better field positioning and more turnovers, meaning more scoring opportunities. So for me, top five, if not, you know, three, four, it'll just. Really depend yeah. in the in the end.
2: All right, can you guys talk to me about uh, what this means, possibly anyways, for Ty Hilton or or Dante Moncrief in terms of their uh, relative rankings as well? And okay. we'll start with you. Doesn't yeah
3: doesn't doesn't really move him for me either. It, <laughs> Nothing. It slides Luck down for the just slightly. Like I said, for the health concern. If if he comes back and I see the same old Luck or you know all signs that he'll be 100 percent by week one, I'll bump him right back up. But for those guys, I mean, I I don't think it really changes their nope. value. Ty Hilton still a locked top 10 wide receiver, and Dante Moncrief is, is what he's been every year. He's got all the talent in the world, but you're going to draft him in a wide receiver 20 to 30 range, and right. he delivers on that potential. Situational yep. wide
1: receiver, for sure. I've, I'm really interested this year with, you know, there's only one cut, right? We go from 90 right to 53. There's no 75. So I'm going to be really interested to see in games maybe two and three this year in preseason. I know I hate preseason, but seeing kind of like who they give the new looks to. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So that's going to be to me. That will be the determining factor for Moncrief. It but wouldn't be just Hilton
2: Dorsett. Nothing. I mean, I would assume. I mean, they spent some pretty good draft capital on Dorsett. I mean, I'd be surprised if he wasn't the number three target there. No?
3: I'd be surprised if he is. To be yeah. honest, I think it's
1: Kamar Aiken. They brought that's, him into. That's comp- right. They brought I think him into Kamara Aiken's the one. I'm and for, in my head when I was what I was saying, and I should have just said it out loud instead of <laughs> being sneaky about it. Was <laughs> is it going to be Kamar Aiken or is it going to be Dante Moncrief? <laughs> uh-huh. I think that he could. I think Aiken could be the number so, two. So so
2: not only can Aiken. Be the number three. You think he can be the number two?
1: Kamari Aiken's good.
2: He's
3: very good. And they, they, the, the word from the front office this offseason was they brought in Aiken to push for the number three. But they also kind of hinted at that all the jobs are open in that wide receiver. Let's group. be after clear. T. Y. Hilton. Hilton's not. Yeah, right. his his job. <laughs> is right.
1: All the other T.Y. ones. T. Y. Hilton's. After that. No. All He's the
3: other ones to... after that. Right. Because, like we said, Moncrief has all this mouth watering talent and size and speed and stuff, but he can't stay healthy and hasn't fully delivered on the field. Kamar Aiken uh, at the back half of the 2015 season was yeah. one of the better wide receivers in like efficiency, scoring, okay. and, uh, and was receiving a lot of targets. So I think they know he can play, and they're going to let him compete.
2: All right, let's talk about Cam Newton. He also is recovering from a January shoulder surgery uh, to repair not only a labrum but a partial rotator cuff injury as well. He is throwing, and I love the way that they announced it uh, in this digital new media age. This was according to a music video. Of all things, that the Panthers released on Twitter. Did you
1: guys actually see this
3: video? I heard about it. I did not watch it.
2: It is. It's lit. It's lit. It's isn't lit. he just
1: throwing, <laughs> the isn't he just throwing in
3: him. the locker room <laughs> like throwing, 10 feet? He's throwing
1: in the locker room 10 you know, feet and I, it looks awesome. Gonna, I, think that was, I think that actually is, I think you're onto something there. Oh, to me, goodness. the 10 feet is an interesting thing, right? I don't think, I think that with the, sur- the shoulder surgery, we've been doing a lot of work on what could happen with Cam Newton, especially with Christian McCaffrey and the additions and yeah. like, you know, Curtis Samuel, all these kind of hybrid sort of players. I think what they're going to do to protect that shoulder, no more rushing out of the zone read, that's not going to be the plan because you get hit more often if you're rushing out of the zone read as a quarterback. But these short passes, so those ten yards in his Liddy video, then that's that's kind of I think what we're going to see on the field this year. I think he's going to set, <laughs> yeah. for me, Cam to oh, set man. his his <clears throat> passing records, his career passing records this year. What I, that's that's my prediction. I
2: have been on record in saying that I have my ser- I have serious doubts as to whether or not Cam Newton can change, whether Ron Rivera can change, how or even if they do change, how much change are we talking about here, right? Um, I mean, are we take, talking about three or? four plays a game or are we talking 10 to 15 if it's on the 10 to 15 side then yeah of course Christian McCaffrey uh, Curtis Samuel all those guys, y- you start feeling better about that but we are well into Cam Newton's career we are well into Ron Rivera's career as well it's hard for guys like that to change so I, I don't I have my reservations but I do think at least on its surface it it would make sense for them to change the game plan
3: yeah I think they've hinted at doing the Ben Roethlisberger type of thing, and that was a very similar transition, where he was the big guy, scrambling quarterback, would run a lot in his younger years, and now... We don't see him get out of the pocket. He dumps it off to Le'Veon Bell, or he dump it off to D'Angelo Williams, or whomever.
1: There's a little chicken and a little egg. Who are they going to do other than Greg Olson last year? Who was going to get those short and intermediate passes? That was not. That wasn't. They didn't have the personnel there. Yeah. Like they do now. They've really exactly. loaded up in that. So there's a little like what, chicken. Fozzy
3: Whitaker? Or are you going <laughs> to you going to throw uh, 80 targets to him in the short range? Uh, and Greg Olson actually did have a lot of air yards too among mm-hmm. tight ends. I was looking at the next gen. Sure. That stuff was way up there because they used to like to do that five seven step drop, chuck it deep. I'm sure that will still be part of their arsenal because that better suits Kelvin Benjamin and Greg Olson as well. But now they have the, like you said, Cynthia, the talent to go underneath as well.
2: All right. So we shall break down the 12-team PPR mock draft. I hand the reins over to Alex Gelhar. Oh, wow. uh, Did a great write-up uh, on this as well. Uh, I actually, apparently, I have to multitask here because I, apparently, on Facebook Live... Did not change the sideways video. So we are broadcasting on Facebook live sideways, right? Now. James, way to go. Way to go. Okay, so let's, let's run through this. From the this. technical side, folks, I, I, I'm i here to host a podcast. I apologize. Let me go and fix it. Alex, right, you, fix you take that. the reins, pal. Take the
3: reins here. All right, so the PPR mock draft, we had 12 people. Uh, we have a number of people on vacation right now, so some of the usual suspects weren't there. Marcus wasn't there. Harmon and Franchise weren't there. We grabbed some other friends from the industry, uh, Raymond Summerlin from World, Scott Barrett from uh, football, Pro Football Focus, and uh, Scott Fish and Ari Engel from uh, Dynasty League Football and Football Guys. They were in one of our last mocks, too. Uh, we did PPR. One thing that kind of surprised me off the top, and I put this in the write-up, was in the first two rounds, more running backs went than wide receivers. Which I think potentially speaks to the dearth of like true workhorse running backs or like those guys that are going to see a highish volume of carries and also get involved in the passing game. But what about you guys? Think what I went wide receiver, wide receiver to start. I went A.J. Green, Doug Baldwin. How did you two attack the top of this draft? I mean, you had number one overall, right? So
1: I didn't really have to make much of a decision
3: close your eyes and hit David Johnson that's pretty easy right like
1: I tried to get you know I told you that I was at yoga so I had to like get out of my yoga class and go right there and it turns out it wouldn't have mattered because I had the first pick so David Johnson either way
3: no matter what right and then James, he's still fixing his thing, but James went at the top of the draft. Let me find him in here. Went Ezekiel <laughs> Elliott. He had the third pick. And then coming back around, he grabbed Todd Gurley, which actually surprised me a little bit, James. And perhaps you can uh, elaborate on your Todd Gurley pick here Indeed. now that you're back.
2: <laughs> and I don't even know Are if I fixed Are we the correct way? It. I really have no idea if I fixed it or not, fine but it doesn't out. matter. Hey, it doesn't matter. Um, uh, yeah, it looks fine. Um, I will say this. Um, I did not particularly <laughs> like my draft. Tri-
5: Okay, so James. I had look. James James's I would, best uh, comment was that he had a great team in a in a <laughs> standard, standard draft. format right. draft.
3: So Let's see here. Let me run. Let me run you guys through James' team. He picked three yeah. overall. Yeah. He has uh, James Winston at quarterback, Todd Gurley, Zeke Elliott, Devontae Adams, Martavis Bryant, Jack Doyle, Isaiah Crowell in the flex on the bench. Marlon Mack, Latavius Murray, Samashi P. run Wow, this is a great standard team. James. It's a
2: wonderful standard team.
3: You've got Willie Sneed and uh, James White down there in yeah, the bench. Randall uh, Cobb could have some upside. Chris, sure. Chris Conley, good forty time for you. <laughs> great vertical
2: as well. Uh, but so then,
3: uh, let me ask you this: okay. What did you regret? What, what did you regret, or what were your mistakes? Think, you think going through the I draft? I mean,
2: look at my look. If you look at my top three running backs, right? So we're talking about you know you Ezekiel Elliott, Todd good Gurley, good running backs, yeah, yeah, and, and and Isaiah Crowell. Now I love all three of those guys in standard, but in PPR they lose a lot of value, because because again, uh, it look, and I know a lot can change. Obviously, with Zeke Elliott, they want—they're talking about trying to get him involved uh, a little bit in the passing game, a bit more. But we know that his bread is buttered uh, between the tackles as a runner. I don't think that they're going to utilize him uh, that often. Plus, Dak Prescott, a, a great, you know, mobile quarterback, and we know that, you know, mobile quarterbacks and and receiving running backs, a little bit yeah. oil and water there. So yeah, so
3: you actually opened up the draft with three straight running backs, and then you grabbed Crowell in the third.
2: Yeah, so uh,
3: Who had I think he had like, what, 40 catches last year, though? So nothing to like, yeah, but know, totally turn your nose up at. And, I yeah.
2: That I agree with, but with Duke Johnson there, I mean, how much, I don't know, I just don't know how much work he's going to get in the passing game and again Todd Gurley uh, you know good talent good solid talent I think the touchdown upside is certainly there for all three but in terms of that safe weekly floor that PPR provides a lot of running backs I just didn't think it was there
3: so which would which pick would you have taken back would you have rather grabbed a a wide receiver with one of those second picks like Cynthia took Terrell Pryor two picks after you in the second round Uh, and then she took Brandon Cooks Amari Cooper was still available well i like I think he's a great player, like I said. I just have concerns for him going that high in uh in PPR with Edelman and Gronk and all those backs there.
2: My my I, I would have I was trying to stretch out the Terrell Pryor pick into round three. Yeah, uh, because I had a it's quick turnaround round two. Yeah, 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 you know yeah. what I'm saying. <laughs> right, so right. I, I didn't I didn't think I had to stretch it that far. Unfortunately, uh, Cynthia Freeland, very smart, uh, smartly took her in the it took uh, Terrell Pryor in the in the third round. So I just kind of got left holding the bag. And I and I think in that round three, I, I really regretted the Crowell pick. That's I where I I wish I I went wide receiver there, but I just didn't have one queued up ready to go yeah.
3: in the third round. Wide receivers. Cynthia started with. Brandon Cooks, Amari Cooper went with the fourth pick in the round. Demarius Thomas went uh, with the sixth. DeAndre Hopkins, Allen Robinson, and Alshon Jeffrey all went in the round. Now, I want to tell you, I want to jump to me for a second because in that third round, <laughs> I took. Uh, I'm very excited, Well I, was, right. I took a lot of heat on this pick in uh, on Twitter for taking Travis Kelsey in the third round. People were like, it "Oh, you can't high. do that." Uh, Why? Well, I, I even told them when we were drafted, Dylan and uh, Alex Wilkins and some others in the newsroom, like, oh, "I'm going to get a little bit spicy here," but. Yeah. I think with Kelsey, like right there, I wasn't in love with some of the wide receivers behind him. The running backs also, because there was such a huge run, thanks to people like you taking three to start. I mean, Bilal Powell was the next best running back after I took Travis Kelsey in the third. And I was trying to do what you did with Terrell Pryor. I wanted Ty Montgomery, but I thought I could get him in the fourth. And Adam Rank ruined that for me. But so I took Kelsey because he's a guy that caught 85 passes last year, over 1,000 yards, and his four or five touchdowns. They got rid of Jeremy Macklin, so there's going to be more targets up for grabs. And he they kind of transitioned to him being the focal point of the offense late down the year. And in PPR, having an, a, pass, a pass-catching tight end that sees reliable targets can be a huge difference maker for you. A lot of tight ends nowadays are reliant on touchdowns. Guys like Hunter Henry, all the guys in the back end. Kyle Rudolph, we had a lot of catches last year. So with Travis Kelsey, I get a very safe floor. Over the last three years, only two tight ends have had 65-plus catches every year, Travis Kelsey and Greg Olson. I think you took a couple rounds later, right, Cynthia? It did. So I took I took Travis Kelsey there, figuring I get the safe upside and I have a very realistic high ceiling if he gets into the end zone a few more times or if they even funnel him a few more targets and he gets up into that 90 to 100 catch range, which would be a little crazy, but that would be he was at he, 85 <clears throat> last year. So. Yeah,
2: it'd be aggressive. But I, I mean, again, with no Jeremy Macklin for the entire season, it can certainly happen. Yeah, It can certainly happen.
3: And and again, it was like I would have loved to take a running back there, but it was all the relative value. All the yeah. great ones were gone. Sure. I wasn't going to jump on Bilal Powell in the middle of that round. No. Uh, and I wanted time Montgomery, but I thought I could get him around later. Came up no. now. Oh.
2: Right. Uh, give me your favorite pick on, uh, in the draft
3: favorite pick in the draft well, if
2: it's on your team or or maybe it's uh maybe if it's somewhere else
3: scrolling through the results which you guys can read nfl.com/fantasy or nfl.com/gelhar see i think rank got nice value in the 5th with Danny Woodhead at the end of the round there Cynthia got Spencer Ware in that round too that was pretty solid value can um, we, for for
2: the newer listeners uh, Cynthia can you can you uh i guess tell the newer listeners uh The difference between standard and PPR, how does it necessarily change how you approach a draft?
1: Well, the bottom line is that each catch counts a lot more. So a running back gets all their running back points like normal, but if they catch a ball, they get a point for that or whatever the designated, you know, amount is. So it makes the value of a pass-catching running back, like, just enormous.
2: I think one of the biggest misconceptions here, too, is that wide receivers have more value than a running back, which I completely disagree with. I just think that, to your point, pass-catching running backs now all of a sudden have Chris Thompson has value, Theo Riddick has value. When James White gets going, he's going to have value. These guys that are specialized running backs, I think, to me, all of a sudden now have value where in standard maybe not so much. Dylan Milner.
5: I think if you look to this exact point, if you look at a couple of rounds, look at the round one of this mock draft that we did. Twelve teams, there were seven running backs, and the first three were the chalk, David Johnson, Le'Veon Bell, Ezekiel Elliott. Right. A lot of times in PPR drafts, you'll see the first round flip on its head and it's gonna go all oh, oh, wide uh, receivers. Antonio Brown, Beckham, Julio, da da da, and there's this overcompensation. The first round in this PPR draft looks like it's the same standard, standard draft. Yeah. The other round to look at, to your point about it changes the pass catching tight ends, is kind of in the uh I guess it's a combo. Round seven, round uh, eight. Uh, this is where – sorry, uh, one round off. This is where I'm taking – sorry, round six. Theo in round six, right? Round five, you've got Danny Woodhead. So, they're, earlier the, the the rounds you go, that's when some of those Chris Thompson's, Theo Riddick, uh, Danny Woodhead guys get pushed up. Um, but it doesn't change the, the stud chalk picks at the very beginning of the drafts. Uh, so –
1: I don't know. See, to me, it breaks things up a little bit, right? Because you have people who have one big catch for a lot of yards. You have to do, like, you have to figure out, like, are you a, like, one big catch? Like, Marvin Jones is a good example of this. Like, one big catch guy, and then you kind of get your points from him and that. And so, in PPR, like, the plus one from him isn't as big of a differentiator as the guy who catches maybe a lot of, like –
3: Golden Tate on the same team. Exactly, exactly.
1: Like, little dinks and dunks here and there where that extra point – point per reception is ridiculous in terms right. of calculating their value. So to me, it just the clusters come at different points. So Dylan's totally right. In our draft, that's what happened. Yeah. But it, the clusters, you see them around different players. It, uh, it doesn't really change the top. I point. mean,
2: high volume guys, for me at, at least, are attractive in PPR, especially because of the safe floor that they provide each and every week. You're right. Marvin Jones might catch one for 40 yards and a touch, which is great and standard. It's a It's a solid 10-point week. But you know, are you going to get that every single week versus a guy like Golden Tate, 5 for 50? Yeah. Okay, you still got 10 points. It's not that sexy and standard, but in PPR, if if this is a guy that's giving you 550 every single week, uh, you'll take that all day long.
5: Right.
3: Yeah, it's a nice situation. And CJ
5: uh, prosize went in round seven of this draft. I, I think was going to say,
3: round, round seven had a couple picks that I really liked you asking favorites. Uh, I liked what Cynthia and Raymond Sumlin did at the top of the draft. She got Jeremy Macklin, which I think a lot of people have been kind of tepid about his he value. was hurt, hurt he's and he ravens? had
1: too much cap space I know. he's a good player i know exactly he's a great he's a great
3: player <laughs> gracious. he's a great player the ravens have like all of the targets available on their team from yeah. last year because steve smith is gone there. dennis pitta is gone yeah uh kyle use is gone so jeremy Macklin was a great pick there he should see a ton of volume because they need they need that consistent chain moving pass catcher with steve smith Aren't there, there. like
2: something like 300 targets it's upper an obscene number yeah,
3: it's crazy it's an MC number and then cameron meredith too in the seventh round, I mean, there's concerns about the Bears' offense as a whole a little bit, but that's a guy that should see a ton of volume and was pretty productive both in the slot where he played most of his snap or like a, half of his snaps last year and when they pushed him outside. So, okay. I think those are two great value value picks right there for a lot of uh, a lot of receptions and. Uh, and potentially a lot of points.
2: All right, it's the NFL division breakdown. The AFC South. We're getting down to it, man. It's our second-to-last division here. Almost there. Texans, 9-7, and seven, won the AFC South. Quarterback was a disaster for them last year. Brock Osweiler. Who was, well, who
1: was the quarterback? Was Brock oh, got it. Forgot. Forgot about him. He didn't make any noise at all. We didn't talk about him at all. Nope. Not a storyline. <laughs> nope. <laughs> it's
3: refreshing to talk about it now, actually.
1: <laughs> uh, DeAndre Hopkins,
2: new. Suffered as a result in real life and in fantasy. Does he bounce back enough this year? Look, we we, we know he's going to bounce back somewhat, but does he bounce back enough this year to justify a, a top thirty price tag? Alex Skelhar,
3: I'm concerned about him at his current price tra- tag because he's being drafted as a like the wide receiver. Anywhere from like what twelve to fifteen or so okay. on average. He's a
1: top thirty though, right? A top, a top thirty, top 30 pick. overall pick. Yes. Oh, 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 oh. got it. get that range. It, got so it, got he, it. That's
3: you know, like first three or so rounds, which is where he's going, even at that wide receiver twelve or fifteen evaluation. But like you know, even if we go back to his first kind of breakout year where he had like twelve hundred yards and six touchdowns, uh his targets didn't didn't fall off too much um from his huge year in twenty fifteen to twenty sixteen. But it was his efficiency in getting in the end zone. You know, his touchdowns fell down to, I think, four from 11 in uh, two years ago. And I think he could bounce back and have a great overall season, you know, like 1,100 yards, six touchdowns or something like that again. But that slides him more into like a wide receiver 20-ish mm-hmm. overall finish. And he's being drafted at his ceiling right now. And I think that's a little unrealistic considering either Tom Savage or a rookie is going to be in there. I'd rather – and just not going to probably get him, but I'd rather wait a round or two and get him at I feel what's a more appropriate evaluation for his range of outcomes. Late
2: third, early fourth?
3: Fourth or so, yeah. yeah he's not going there. He's not going there. Yeah. But I think people are chasing that ceiling too much and will feel burned even if he produces a solid season because they sunk such a high draft pick in him.
1: Cynthia? Yeah, I'm kind of all in on him.
3: Yeah? I'm all nice. in? Yeah. I love him as a Let's player, go. but I'm worried.
1: I, I mean, I, so here, here's a kind of – this is how I – this is my broad strokes math on it, right? Okay. So – you have someone who is one of the most efficient route runners in the NFL I, okay. and Harmon. Where's he? We, we yeah. need Harmon to verify. <laughs> we'll we'll call him, but, <laughs> we'll call but him. he definitely will. He'll say that. And you know what you had when you saw any quarterback that he could have, right? Like efficiency would be great. You, like the, the knock that we saw on his rookie quarterback was that when he was throwing passes, he threw a lot of, um, he threw a lot of picks or whatever. And they, they at, Clemson, they play more of, like, a jump ball style, and so if that rookie can adapt, right? Like, I I don't want to, pr- like, make projections and prognostications about rookie quarterbacks because that's a really hard thing to do. Incredibly hard. But I will say that if you are an incredibly efficient route runner, you tend to have – you know with a different a change in quarterback it's likely that you're the one that gets the 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 most targets do I think he gets the same kind of crazy targets he got like the year he had four different quarterbacks no but I do think that you know I think he's worth I I'm I'm in I, I don't think he's going I do think it is closer to his ceiling but I think that's where we're going to see him perform yeah. because I think he he didn't seem very happy last no. year, so I think I think it's I, going to be something that. How could you not be yeah. happy
2: watching balls go straight into the dirt?
1: I,
3: I mean, believe he, I believe you can hit that ceiling even with this mishmash of quarterbacks he has, because I mean it, it'd be hard to be much worse than Brock Osweiler sure. was last year. But I just I just think in terms of other players in that range, I'd rather feel somebody who I th- think is in a safer zone for their range of outcomes and try and catch Nuke a little later, but I I understand I'll probably miss out on him. Can he
2: or Deshaun Kaiser figure out who's going to be the Deshaun? Because there's just too many Deshauns (laughs) right now for me. I'm like, Deshaun... Watson,
1: Kaiser. Kaiser, Eh.
2: Watson,
1: Foster? See, I, like, I don't even Deshaun like. Yeah, it's all last name. Yeah, Watson, it. I Kaiser. Right. I can't do it. I can't. I, do it. I just, I, I, hate to like put that on a rookie though. Like, so to me, it's like I won't say who because I'm like Savage or him, but yeah. because I think both of them would they benefit from a really consistent route runner. Yeah, Will Fuller's a burner, and he's gonna yeah. get down the field faster. But yep. you want someone to be consistent. Like, if you're practicing and you you can throw it to this area and that person's always open and create separation. Like that's who I'm throwing to if I'm right. Tom Savage or if I'm Deshaun Watson Kaiser or. So say, either one, You're <laughs> I like it
2: uh, on fantasy football calculator. DeAndre Hopkins right now uh, is going at 27 overall one pick behind Brandon cooks. I tell you what, if I had my choice between the two, I would take new Hopkins, the Titans at nine and seven. Oh, excuse me. We're going to stay with the Texans Lamar Miller. Uh, I wanted to ask about Lamar Miller because you know, the fantasy community was hyper about Lamar Miller last year. I, I felt like he was a big-time disappointment. Now there's even more question marks, especially about his touchdown upside, given that Dante Foreman is, is sitting right there behind him. Alex, Kelha, your thoughts on Lamar.
3: Well, I mean, the reason everybody was so hyped last year was because uh, we felt he was only getting partial the partial workload in Miami, and he was producing a lot. So thinking, wow, it goes to an, a decent offense, gets the wealth of touches, it could hopefully turn into volume. more points. Yeah, yeah. volume and it kind of it kind of went in the opposite way he posted his lowest yards per carry and yards per reception totals of the last 3 years but the crazy thing was he he saw more total touches but he didn't see a, a bigger share of the pie he saw uh 60 just shy of 62% of the opportunities touches and targets out of the Houston backfield uh in 2015 he saw 63% and in 2014 he saw 61% so huh, it was right in that range he had more total touches by about 50 or so over the last couple of years but yeah, I think the war- the, tu- the concerns about his touchdown upside are-, are warranted because now there are just more threats when they get near the red zone. They, they have the big bruising back in Foreman, as you mentioned. C.J. Fedorowicz kind of established himself as a decent red zone threat last year. And, of course, New Hopkins is great in the red zone and on the boundary. So this is also a team that might not project to be the highest scoring offense. They might- they've got a great defense. They'll probably want to play more clock control. They're not going to be dropping 40 points on people regularly. So if that... If his chunk of the scoring pie stays low, and would he have six touchdowns last year total or he only gets five or so? Is there serious concerns about that for him?
1: I'm a coaching tree person, so I couldn't agree with you more, but which coaching tree does he come from? Bill Belichick. What does Bill Belichick do? He does not tell you which running back that he likes the best, and he <laughs> does not tell you which running back's going to get the touchdowns, and he does not give you any clues. So, right. To me, I think the ideal situation for Deshaun Watson, Tom Savage, Bill O'Brien, the whole offense is to have a wealth of people who could be right. ball carriers. So for us fantasy players, that stinks. But I think that you're going to see that Belichickian. I think they're at least trying to construct that sort of running back by committee, but we don't know the committee, and if you fumble, then you're out for like – you know, you're punished. You're right. in the bad corner.
2: Lamar Miller on Fantasy Football Calculator, a top 25 pick. At that price tag, I will pass. pass. Uh, the Titans at 9-7 and seven last year, also at 9-7, but they were due to sidebreakers. Second in the division, DeMarco Murray was a monster last year man huge draft day bargain following a torturous 2015 campaign in 2016 DeMarco Murray bounced back in a big time way 1287 rushing 377 receiving 12 total touchdowns to go along with 4.4 yards per Gary, per carry he was absolutely terrific.
3: He was like a league winning pick considering where he was going in drafts by the time the season was starting.
2: Just an absolute beast last year and what a crazy bounce back year it was for DeMarco Murray. Does he keep that train rolling in 2017?
1: I'm saying yes. If it's not broke, don't fix it. I think that gives you a chance. Now, while I do think Derrick Henry will get more touches and you'll see more, I don't, and do I think he's going to have a, you know, over a plus 1,500 scrimmage yard season again? I don't know, but I still think for the the, where you'd be drafting him in your leagues in a very high, in a very high position, I think you're going to get a lot of value out of him and you'll see Derrick Henry start to emerge and take, you know, fill in wherever the, the, the he needs to be filled in, but honestly, I don't see if it's not broke, don't fix it. You have, you're on the cusp of having a really great team so go put that veteran running back in there command all those people to get in the box I, you know i think you tweeted out something it was like
3: they faced the most eight man boxes it was like derrick yeah.
1: henry was number one wow. and demarco murray was number two which is right. crazy
3: yeah like demarco murray wow. and he still averaged, cool. great like,
1: give those guys on the outside a chance then <laughs> right Hold exactly in the box
3: they both averaged over four yards a carry against eight man boxes too right. and now that's this team went out and added Corey davis and Eric Decker, totally. like, so I th- let's go.
1: Yeah, so I think like keep the vet in, like pepper in, you know, Derrick Henry. Allow him to pro- you know prolong Derrick Henry's career by not sure. taking so many touches. I think it's I think it's fantasy gold. Yeah.
2: Pro Football Focus has the Tennessee offensive line as one of the five best offensive lines in football as well. And man, agreed, a lot of, a lot they of first were rounders on that moving people last year. Man, uh,
3: that I'm going to tell
1: you a quick story about their O line coach. Let's he's like one of my, His name is Russell Grimm. He's like one of my favorite people in all. He, That's a
3: great name for an. It, O-line oh girls. yeah, and he's Ram. also just all awesome.
1: he played, played O line for Washington in what? his career. He's great. just yeah. rad, and he's awesome. sitting there. You know, I have like I've been doing like a big study on like waist benders because I, yeah. I want to like try to talking define. about
3: it on Shex's podcast. Yeah, perhaps.
1: so I oh, so no, try, try to care. measure their hips and if they can back up and all these different things. And you know, O line coaches really love analytics. No, no not at all. Negative. So my goal, Negative. my goal is to like win him over. And he's like, hey, he's like, you better be watching my guys. He's like Taylor Lewan, blah, blah blah. Like, and he's sitting there and I'm like I know I know I know so he's, he's the best if you ever get a chance to watch him he's like the coolest oh um,
3: man I was gonna say about this split I think this is one we're gonna have to watch the drum beat we always talk about what the coaches are saying all right basically from the end of the season through now Mike yeah. Malarkey has been saying DeMarco Murray is our workhorse DeMarco Murray yep. is our workhorse we're not gonna change that we love Derrick Henry but DeMarco Murray is our workhorse okay the offensive coordinator just at the beginning of this month said and this is a very loose quote, but he said, we're going to find ways to use both of them. That was his quote. But he wasn't saying, like, Derrick Henry's going to get, you know, yeah. 20 touches a game now. I mean, Henry had only 123 total touches last year. I would guess he probably can get up towards, like, 150 or so.
1: I would go probably a little more than that. Maybe a little more than that. But yeah.
3: still, like, for Derek Henry, I think I'm with you. I think DeMarco Murray's worth his top, you know, two-round pick. He's sure. going to be a great player in top standard or PPR. Derrick Henry right now is being a little overvalued. People are taking little
2: him, overvalued.
3: People are taking him in the sixth round yeah, on fantasy football ooh. calculator at the oh, beginning no. of the sixth round. Oh no! End of the sixth round in MFL tens, which I guess I get a little bit more because yeah, best it's best ball and you know, if anything were to happen to Marco Murray, sure there's no if way to it. If you're in a keeper
1: league, then I, I mean, and you start, you know, like in right. round five or something. Oh, sure. Then maybe, but yeah,
2: like, yeah, yeah. Standard I mean, redraft? No. Yeah. The trouble that's is too early.
3: sinking that type of pick into a player like Derrick Henry while he's very good, is just he's not gonna have the opportunities to pay dividends on that pick. Potentially all season, maybe not until later, or if something happens to Murray. I'd be more comfortable taking Derrick Henry maybe in the double-digit rounds oh yeah
2: i was gonna say you know in a 10-team standard uh because there is so much depth uh left on the waiver wire i don't mind sinking an earlier pick in somebody that could be a very high value guy so like even if it was a ninth round selection in derrick henry i'd be cool with that because again there's going to be there's not that many guys that could just be absolute game changers Mm -hmm. uh that you're going to get but i I mean, round that's. But round in six? that range,
3: you could get somebody round like. Six too Paul, much. You could get somebody like Paul Perkins. You could get somebody like Amir Abdullah, Frank Gore, somebody that's
1: more likely. Julius Thomas. Julius that's Thomas. my favorite one this year. <laughs> my favorite six. Yope. Uh huh. Wait, he wait heard hold me on. Now. In PPR. Hold up. Hold, hold well, Where did you take Hold, hold up. Hold up. I took him. Wait, wait hold wait, on. i, I gotta, later. I yeah. would not
2: be doing my job if I didn't ask you to follow Bring I know it. we're talking about the, the AFC it. South here, but. What? Wait. You took My Hold on, let me find Hold on, let, let me get, let me go into the mind of Cynthia Okay,
3: round 13, the 15th Boom. tight end off the board, 150, 145th, excuse me, all, overall in a recent okay. PPR mock. You took Julius Thomas. Yep. You said you'd take him in the sixth.
1: If you, the if floor is yours. If you're going to do, if you're going to say, okay, look, I didn't draft. Obviously, it's not your second tight end. I'm not advocating a two tight end system. Here. Right. Right, but if you're like, if you've gone, you know, like, like me, where sometimes I'm like, "Oh, I just drafted like five wide receivers, and I didn't even draft like you know whatever." You yeah. kind of find yourself in that spot. And you're like, you know what? I'm gonna like sneak something in here that people might try to steal from me. I know you could probably get him later, but to me, that's actually if you're doing like a blind, like you know, you know, I try to like game you guys when we play. Like I'm, of I'm just learning well, stuff. You want to test you, stuff? But, yeah, yeah, I don't yeah. want to. I don't want you to read me. I'm very. I'm bad at lying. I'm from the <laughs> Midwest. I like. You can read me too easy if I. Okay. So point being. I think that this is the Adam Gase reunion yeah. in Miami. You got a quarterback who, you know, you want to protect this quarterback. You have got a lot of things, you know. You've got a really great slot receiver, and your running game. You got Jai, but that was there were some great games, and then there was it, that's very bumpy road. Oh yeah. So Julius Thomas, this is a someone that's very reliable. He okay. Hasn't had a great, necessarily a great year, a couple of years in a row here. Right. But I think that. They but didn't that was also trade, with Blake Bortles. But they didn't trade for him, for nothing, right? Yeah. Like there's a point. There's a strategy there, especially since this is a great tight end class. So they, if they wanted to draft, you know, if they thought they could draft someone, they could have done that. So I'm just saying, sneaky, put it on your radar. Maybe six is high. Maybe we're being a little whatever yeah, yeah. there. But honestly, if but you
2: have him in just in terms of tight end rankings. Do like, you have him as a top ten guy? I do. Okay. Wow.
3: He's
1: not Gronk. Who he's do you not have? Yeah, yeah No, no, obviously. Obviously. Like, let's be clear. So
3: what range does he fall in? Would you take Martellus Bennett or Julius Thomas? Marty B. Tyler Eifert or Julius Thomas?
1: Let's see. Eifert's O-line really frightens me now. How about it's Jack terrifying.
2: Doyle or Julius Thomas?
3: Julius Thomas. There you go. Uh, Kyle Rudolph or Julius Thomas?
1: <sighs> I'm a little I think biased we're finding it so I like
3: Kyle Rudolph. You love Kyle. <laughs> Kyle Rudolph. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just in uh, general. <laughs> but I'm, I'm trying to – so you have him probably around that, like – Tight end eight to twelve yep. range. I'm gathering.
2: I, I think he's, he's so far 10. off the table for most drafters that I know.
1: So maybe you can sneak and get him later. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. so my point is, maybe six is aggressive, but yeah, yeah. honestly, consider him. And if you can try to like, there's some gamesmanship there. But if you're not, if your strategy doesn't include being able to get greg olson gronk or one of the people who are gonna like are actually wide receivers that you can put in as right. tight ends then this is a person that you could slide into that tight end spot especially in a ppr because those little dink and dunks i think that's going to be a key part of Tannehill's game
2: okay there see, you go to see
5: how that compares to the rest of the uh, the gentleman on nfl.com i think he's currently ranked 16th and marcus grant has him the highest at 13th and uh Fabiano- and Alex, have them at 17. So.
1: I knew that Marcus was my favorite. <laughs> so, there you go. <laughs> behind, behind, behind the likes of <laughs> Ebron
5: Doyle-Gates oh, and Fedorowicz okay. on NFL. Sorry. That's uh, my Lions fan. So, there you
2: yeah. go. All right. We'll move on to the Colts. All right. We'll talk about, we talked about Andrew Luck. We, we talked did. about T.Y. Hilton. Let's talk about their running game. Frank Gore, at the age of 32 last year, mm-hmm. still carried the ball 263 times It's the fourth most (laughs) carries in a season in his career, man. That was at 32 years old. He had 1025 on the ground, 277 through the air. It was his 11th consecutive season. He has had 1,200 or more total scrimmage yards. That to go along with eight total touchdowns. Oh, my goodness. This guy was the RB12. He is the Terminator. He is absolutely the Terminator, but what do we do in 2017? We've been having this conversation for five years in a row, but what do you do with Frank Gore in 2017? Alex Gilhar.
3: I mean, I think you still have to believe in the guy. I'm, I, I'm past the point of doubting Frank Gore. When he, when he hangs them up officially, as well as he's done producing in the league. But it's not, not to say you go and jump at him in like the fourth round or something. Okay. You want to wait a little bit, mitigate that risk of, of his age and uh, a increasingly crowded backfield now because they brought in Robert Turbin last year. They re-signed him. The GM really likes him.
2: Marlon Mack. They went and
3: drafted Marlon Mack. Yeah. So I think I think he's one of those great guys if you start wide receiver heavy in your drafts to look to Frank Gore because you're getting a, a lead pretty much workhorse back in rounds five to eight anywhere in there.
2: Totally unspectacular, but just solid Consistent. as a rock, man. It's just been unbelievable. Cynthia, your take on, on Frank Gore in 2017.
1: I agree. He's one of those people who has this year... I'm, I'm kind of all in on the Colts' offense getting better because their defense got better, right? Because, you know, you're bringing in someone who could potentially increase their number of turnovers so they get more – and, you know, I think they were number 20. They had the 20th starting – 20th or 21st starting field position on average and very few turnovers. Like, these are things that when you have running backs on teams that that could jump his touchdown total because if they're getting those, like, wonky turnover – oh, we're at the, like, you know, we're starting this – You know, some good yard line, right? Then, then that's a bet. Like that's touchdowns are fickle. I get it, but that kind of improvement could say could lead me to believe that he'd have an increase in. I don't think there's anything. To any reason to believe his production in terms of you know number of total yards is going to significantly go down, I don't I don't see that happening unless he gets hurt, God forbid. But you know I, he could have some sneaky touchdown upside. All right, question,
5: question for the panel, Frank Gore, does he get 1,100 rushing yards this year?
1: 1,100 rushing? Rushing? I, I wouldn't say 1,100 rushing, but so
2: it would it be 1,200 total? If my, he gets, my question.
5: he is 600 yards away of becoming fifth all time rushing, and he's 1,100 of passing Curtis Martin, and he'd be fourth all-time. So I'm saying wow. if he gets 1,100 huh. yards, he would be fourth all-time in rushing. That's amazing.
3: That'd be awesome. Maybe that's the thing. That'll
5: I be just guess I just thought he
1: already was, like, top. Like. He's
5: eight right now. I he's thought- 200 behind Dickerson. He's, he's 600 behind Bettis, a little bit more behind LT, that's and then crazy. 1,100 behind Curtis Martin.
2: In a game that has no longevity, this dude has been an absolute rock. He
1: helped me win my first um. Like I do with my girlfriends, we, we, we all play together and then we go out and buy shoes together after that's how how you say it on a podcast. (laughs) And, um, and, uh, when we do that, then Uh, he helped me win. He helped me win that league. And my, what
2: year was this?
1: It was a long time ago.
2: <laughs> it was a really long time ago. So. Oh, man. The Jaguars were an embarrassment last year. They were 3-13 and overall. The team added Tom Coughlin, though, to run football operations there in Jacksonville. The team then added L4. Talking about Leonard Fournette in the draft. Projections all over the place on this guy. I would love to know Cynthia Freeland's projection on the rookie.
1: Ask me in the end of August to refine this. Okay. But he's one that I think it honestly, that this is the one where I, I don't know um, for PPR because I don't know how much they're going to use him in the run or in the Pass passing it. game. Sure. But I think that, I think you're gonna get a nice like. I think it might be like old school Giants running back on the ground pound that kind of like. I think that the influence of Coughlin that could be something there. I don't want to overstate his influence because I don't think he's calling plays. Yeah, but I do think you know. I think you could see that. I, don't I feel want, like I, I feel like that's what they want to do. I it'd be smart, right? Right. So, but if you so to me it's like all ground. So so for PPR I'm a little bit less. I'm a little bit less on enthused, it, yeah. you know, and you even saw that with Ezekiel Elliott last year is like ground, ground, ground. Then we add some pass, pass like, and you kind of ramp up the passing. Right. But that was like rookie quarterback yeah. and rookie running back. So, you know, that, that could make a difference. But for me, it's like ground, really solid season. Like I, I, I let like something like, I, I don't know if I want to give him a thousand yards, but I think close to ground it, yeah. 900, like right around there. Okay. But, but not much in the passing. Game. So if you're PPR, be, beware.
2: But total yardage wise, you would say I'm 1,100 sure. is, is about right. Total. So 200 through the air. I mean, 200 well- through the air, no.
3: You're, well, that's the thing. Like You were hinting at it, Cynthia. It's hard to know right now. There's been talk out of camp that they're like, oh, he's a great pass catcher. Like We want to use him there. But in the same token, they still have TJ Yeldon, and yep. he averages 57 targets the, over right. the past two years per his career. Like, And if they want to be multiple and have him in and spell Fournette so he's good there, it would yeah. make sense to take him off the field every yeah. now and again in those passing situations. I
1: just don't know. If, I, I agree. I don't know if he's going to get enough of volume, like snaps. To be able to we didn't see a
2: lot. We didn't see a lot of running backs catch balls out of the backfield in that less mile system. But you know, the few passes that he did see there, I, I thought he looked pretty darn smooth actually catching the football. So
1: you have to remember though that there's like a lot of like who do he, who do they play and who would be hitting him right? right? Who are the like who are the nose tackles that are coming after him? Who right. are the, so this is a little different than you know the mad hatter's yeah. like rain right. like yes he can catch it it's but i i just to me it's a little unri- especially as a rookie it's that's not what i would count on it'd be like a nice surprise but not yeah not what i think
3: count on. uh and know you put in the rundown james why some people are the fantasy community hates a little him. down on him well i don't think they hate him oh my god come on bro where have you been seeing all this hate like
2: i, I mean, mean it is a ama- it's amazing how much like nitpicky stuff people write about Leonard Fournette and they'll totally, I just compare Leonard Fournette to Christian McCaffrey and the press that surrounds Leonard Fournette oh and the press that surrounds Christian McCaffrey. Oh boy. It is, it's, it's, it's ridiculous to me. I mean, both these guys have holes in their games and that's fine. And I love both of them as prospects. I absolutely love both, but it's hard to find positive press surrounding Leonard Fournette's game. And it's really hard to find negative press surrounding Christian McCaffrey's game. Well,
3: I think I think what it is partially too is it for, at least for fantasy is it comes down to their situations. Like there are red flag landmines all over the place with Leonard Fournette. Let's start with Blake Bortles. He's yeah, still the quarterback. They brought in Bortles and Coughlin. They want are they brought in you know Coughlin and Fournette. They want Bortles to throw less. Bortles still leads the league in turnovers since 2014 with 63. <laughs> uh, I, was, I was looking at this because, like you were talking about this earlier, about how when um you get you get turnovers, you know, it gives that your offense then a chance to score. But by the same token, when your offense commits a ton of turnovers, it takes away scoring opportunities. Yeah. And over the last five years. Teams in the bottom 10 in turnover percentage score on average, just rushing touchdowns, four fewer rushing touchdowns than Mm. teams ahead of that. Great stat. The Jags have been in the bottom 10 in the last two years. They just missed it. They were 21st in 2014, but that's because Bortles only played 14 games and committed 22 turnovers in those 14 (laughs) games. So that huge red flag. Okay. Nick, right. you already said the passing game. McCaffrey yeah. is going to get work in the passing game. That's why they drafted him. They're already talking about that. He's playing with Cam Newton. He's playing in an objectively better offense with probably still a better defense. I really like the Jags' defense and the piece they put it, put in it. Yeah. Let's see that unit play together f- for a full year and dominate people. So I think that's why there's the discrepancy in their okay. games. There are, there are holes in their personal games, but from fantasy, we're looking at the situation and where they're going. Fournette is also almost unanimously going ahead of McCaffrey. So that's why those red flags become a little right, more apparent. You're, it's,
1: I was about to say, I think it often has to do with your expectations too, sure. right? So if you're expecting, like from McCaffrey, you're expecting shared. You don't, Nobody's thinking like, he's it. He's not like 100% snaps that he's going to be on the field for, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's, I think that the expectation there is very different as Is well.
2: Fournette worth a top 20 pick?
1: Top 20! PPR, no. Right on the edge.
3: PPR no. standard. PPR. PPR. No. Uh uh-uh.
1: Yeah, I would agree. With and that. I was in Miami mm-hmm. with my new beach house. <laughs> well, it was a couple minutes from the beach. There you go. Had to that? get that. That's the Jaguar
3: lady Jaguars. from last year. She was That's like a, a woman. Yeah, that was a woman. <laughs> she was like interviewed by a local newscaster after they got. She's uh, super Jaylen excited Ramsey for Leonard Fournette. And, uh, who did they take? Uh, Miles Jack. Yeah. They, the news re- reporter asked her if the Jaguars won the draft, and she had her faint. Fe- now local news this interview. Yes. And
1: I was in Miami with my new beach house. Yeah. Well, it was a couple minutes. From she the had the beach.
3: quotes like, "Yeah, you can't have they, the the NFL has been holding <laughs> the Jags back because you can't have a newcomer come in and steal the show." Oh, it's like boy. the T-shirt now. Oh. Harmon has one. You'll have to watch it later. It's great. Oh, um, yeah. Missed the boat on that. I'm like, what?
2: <laughs> Uh, I'm gonna save this Alan Robinson piece for we if should. we can get, uh, if we can possibly get Matt Harmon on. Let's the fire park. him up.
5: Let's dial not, him right now. Let's dial
2: it up. Let's dial it up. We're gonna make a call into the wild, and we shall Norman.
1: see if well, we can find. are going. Oh, to it. oh.
2: Okay. Are you? Uh, I don't know. We're gonna, gonna
1: put the whole like number on, so people could start like out. <laughs> we did that out. once. We did that once on accident. <laughs> and we had to delete. Amazing. That. That I like great. that you said on accident. All, <laughs> all, no. I like on accident. Yeah, by accident.
2: Uh, so, on yes, uh, we will save this Alan Robinson conversation for if we can get Matt Harmon on the phone. Whoa. Hello. Whoa. Uh, but down, we, we may not. Back there. We do have some. Produ- uh, uh, well, the story
3: was I we had called him and we thought he was going to be around to answer. And then we were just shooting the breeze while it right. was ringing. And then it started going to. And it, was his like, smell. it was like you've like, reached Matt Harmon. Call me bing. Bing. back. It, and Rank right. was the first one to notice. So he just started yelling. <laughs> and then I went, <laughs> I went back into in the audio and bleeped. Out <laughs> so, That's
2: funny. You all know. right. Well, we're ringing. We so, got, like,
3: five digits into
2: it. Yeah, it was pretty good. Hello. Oh, hey, it's Hi, our Marty. pal. What's up, Harmon? Hey, man, how you doing, pal? Matt Harmon, who's I'm an great. idiot. Oh, it's man. always a good day to
4: wake up and be me. <laughs>
2: wow. <laughs> All right, okay. we welcome you in to the NFL Fantasy Live podcast. It's been a minute since we had you on the pod. Uh, we thought we, we'd give you a call here and get your take on some of these AFC South uh, wide receivers. We'll start with your boy there in jacksonville alan robinson a bit of a fantasy disappointment last year well not a bit a lot uh 883 through the air just six touchdowns what does he do in 2017 matt Harmon?
4: i'm gonna just bypass the fact that uh it's really rude that you're just calling me up and right away get to business <laughs> and no no pleasantries
2: i apologize ignore that. i apologize
4: <laughs> yeah apology accepted anyways uh so
2: with Allen robinson it's
4: it's kind of hard to tell yourself the story about how he's going to get the volume that we've seen the last two years, considering what Jacksonville's done in the off-season. Obviously, they drafted Leonard Fournette in the top five picks. Then they came around the second round and they snagged a big offensive guard, not or a big potential tackle, maybe guard. I don't know with Cam Robinson. But so they obviously want to be a different type of team. They don't want to be losing all the time, where they threw a lot more than than they probably have wanted to. So I don't know. I'm I still love Allen Robinson, the player, but for fantasy, I think he's probably more of like a third-round pick and maybe like a, a high-end wide receiver two, low-end wide receiver one. For fantasy, it's just not like it's not a situation that I, I love as much as I have in the past.
2: All right, let's talk about Nuke Hopkins. DeAndre Hopkins uh, last year obviously was very frustrated with the quarterback play. Matt Harmon, I, I asked these two fine folks in the room with me if he bounces back in a big way, but could I get a, a projection from you regarding Nuke? <laughs> I'm
4: kind of like off Nuke Hopkins this year at his current price. Like you, you see him going off the board on, you know, sites like fantasy pros or fantasy football calculator and their ADP right now. And he's like a wide receiver. He's like the wide receiver 12. And, and I, that feels to me, I don't know how you guys feel in the room there, but like that feels to me like you're buying him at his absolute best case scenario. Cause mm. if you look at the last two years, the only time he's really been a high end wide receiver one for fantasy has really only been in one set of conditions and okay. that's when the Texans were at their worst as a team in the first half of the 2015 season their run play percentage dipped in the second half of the year when their defense got better and they started winning more games Bill O'Brien has always ranked inside the top 6 in terms of run uh, runs run att- rush attempts in the NFL so I I don't really see them wanting to be a team that you know funnels uh, 30 percent of their passing offense to new Hopkins, and even if they do do that it's probably not going to be the same amount of volume that we've seen the last two years plus like i know things are going to be better without brock osweiler or at least we would assume but yeah. how much better are they really with tom savage who wasn't like a tangible upgrade as soon as he hit the field last year it's true i like deshaun watson enough as a prospect but you know he's still going to be a rookie, so. I can easily see Hopkins finishing as like wide receiver 19 or 20 and where he's going right now like that. I just can't justify ever. Making the pick there at that point, so okay. I, I'm all, I'm pretty much like completely out on Hopkins as long as this price stays around wide receiver twelve. All
2: right, let's go to Tennessee. Marcus Mariota broke his leg late last year, but is on track to start the season. Team out of Corey Davis in the draft. Eric Decker, your favorite, one of your favorite wide receivers in free agency. Meanwhile, oh, yeah. one of James's
3: least favorite oh, players. Yeah, I, know, yeah. Uh, well, I was right in 2016. No, no, stupid. Uh, meanwhile, uh, give
2: me a break. I, I know. All right, all right. Just stop it. Uh, Rashard Matthews was your leading receiver last year in Tennessee given their you know current price tags who do you like there in Tennessee who's your favorite preferred wide receiver in the Titans uh, wide receiver core
4: so right now it's Decker just because he's still cheap but I would expect him to probably creep up into like the top 35 wide receivers picked by the time we're doing this in August and at that point then I really I'm a little bit shyer on the price just because I love Decker, the player, again, but this is another volume situation where like, how, Tennessee's offseason moves definitely seem to indicate that they want to open up the offense more. You know, They have a really efficient quarterback, especially in the red zone. Decker has been one of the most efficient wide receivers in the league in the red zone, so it's a good pairing from that perspective, and I think that like, on a week-to-week basis, we can kind of count on Decker as a, as a touchdown threat, but... Outside of that, like I don't, I don't know if any of these guys are going to get the volume to be like predictable week to week because they still have Delaney Walker. They drafted Corey Davis in the top five. Richard Matthews is kind of was I think was going to be a trap either way this year because because I don't think he's that great of a player. Like I think he's just fine. I think he's a guy, but yeah. not much more than that. Mm-hmm. So like all of these guys feel like they're going to be volatile week to week. Who's going like? It might be more just a week to week like guessing game with, and matchup perspective in terms of who's going to have the week that week. So I, I don't really want to feel good about drafting any of these guys
0: either. Yeah.
3: I'm with you on that. I, like, I think I saw Mike Clay tweeted out his projections for these guys and for Davis, Decker, and Richard Matthews. It was all roughly in the, like, 1, 50, no, like 50 to 70 catch, like, 7 to 800 yard, like, 5 to 7 touchdown games. Like, the only time I'd probably Yikes. want to actually start one of these guys is maybe in a game if they're going to be it would, something that's projected to be a really high-scoring affair. Hmm. Like, if they were – hypothetically playing the Packers again like they did last year. Like, that'd be a game where I might start these guys. But otherwise, like, Harmon's kind of right. At their costs, I feel like it's going to be too unpredictable and it's going to be too frustrating to try and figure out when and where to start these guys. I think it certainly
2: opens the door anyways for Marcus Mariota being a great value quarterback. Uh, You know, you you talk about these individual wide receivers. Maybe individually we don't know what they're going to do, but I tell you what, as a collection, that's got to help the development of Marcus Mariota. Hopefully he comes back from his broken leg. At 100%. All right, enough with the uh, the AFC South. Let's talk about a more important topic here. Let's talk about you, Matt Harmon. What you got going on, South. pal? My
4: favorite topic of <laughs> conversation.
2: <laughs> 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 well, I just, I just got back here to
4: L.A. Uh, last night. I've been back home, so uh, which it's funny how it's hard to get motivated to do literally anything productive when you're in your childhood home. It's like, well – I can just sit here and screw around. So, in terms of uh, what I've been doing the last twenty days, yeah, not so much anything that's like relevant to what <clears throat> listeners might care about, unless they really like me that much. And and that I would uh, completely understand. Uh, but oh my God, like for, in terms of football stuff, I'm working on building some projections for this year. Actually, which is something I've never done before. Okay. Uh, so that's kind of exciting. And of course, obviously, just continuing to pimp uh, reception perception and. Uh, if listeners are interested in more of my wide receiver analysis, you go to receptionperception.com, you click on my little face there, and you can buy access to all my data that I charted out this year. So pretty you. excited about that, uh, continuing to, to get out there. And, like, it's not even it's not even, it's not even July yet. So I'm, I'm really hoping that uh, as the season goes on, or as the preseason goes on, we get to more like take season. Uh, the demand for that will be pretty great. So I'm I'm, ex- I'm excited. But in terms of what's going on with me, I don't know. Just trying to live my best life here How's in the uh,
3: how's, how's Charlie? How have you guys been? Uh, I'm sure, did you guys see the video? Uh, chief, as chief no. Charlie uh, videographer in okay. the house, I, uh, I filmed it last night, but it was quite an adorable reunion. But how has the full day been, Harmon, with oh. you guys hanging out again?
4: Uh, it's been good to have him back. Like, there's some, so obviously, if I was, did not take Charlie back east on the trip, but for those who don't know, uh, which was really hard for, for me, but I think probably harder for him. Uh, is it because he doesn't? you reporting.
2: Is it because he doesn't like West Virginia? Is that why? It's just because I'm going to ignore that. It's just because I could not imagine like possibly
4: flying with him because ah. he's a very anxious dog, and like I just don't Xanax. think he would have done well with that. <laughs>
1: you can give so. your dog Xanax. Oh boy, it's true. I don't oh, want to.
4: I don't know. I know. I know there are ways to do it, but I just uh, maybe we'll explore it down the line. But I got to say, it's nice having him back for for me at least because. There are just some things you like get used to having a dog around. Like, you wake up in the middle of the night to like go to the bathroom or something. And, like, I always put out my hand to like tell him to stay, and like I was doing that, and I'd be like, "Oh, there's nobody here,"
1: <laughs>
4: uh, or you know, just little little things like that you get used to. And when the dog's not around, it's kind of
1: Harman, sad. Do you realize? So wait, a dog what seven times the age one, the seven dog years for every one human year?
2: Uh, yeah. Something like that,
1: Yeah. Yes. That's so. So each dog here is, what, 52 days? Basically. You left your dog for a half a year alone. Wow. What know, a perspective. What I, that's what I, we said a last half night. Half was a well, year. He
3: probably took a year off his life for this stress. A half
1: a year. Through. You left your dog for a half year. Wow! Now that Xanax sounds <laughs> better, Cynthia, doesn't it? Where, where <laughs> the hell were you to deliver these numbers before they decision? I know. You got to consult with me. Oh, all right. Sure. From now on, I got to
4: consult wow. NFL Network <sighs> analytics, analytics expert, Cynthia Freeland. Yes, on how long
1: you leave life. a dog alone—half yeah. right. a year. Clearly,
3: I like oh, what it. a what a what an idiot I am. <laughs> <laughs> All right, should we let him go and yes. get back to Charlie?
2: All right, pal, we're
3: going to let you go. I'll see you, you soon, Harmon. The great Harman.
2: Matt Harmon. Find his work at receptionperception.com. He is one half of the fantasy hipsters as well. Matt, we appreciate your time, man.
3: I think we already hung all up right, on we him. We already hung
2: up on him, so that's <laughs> all good. But he'll, he'll listen to the podcast, no doubt. He's going. No doubt we will get Matt Harmon to listen to the podcast today. All right, we'll close out your show with a round of Daily Daps. Extra, extra, read all about it. This is the day. Daps and hooks.
4: Up,
2: daps about, daps. Daps. All right, daily dap time. We shall start with the WizKid kid from Wisconsin, Alex Gellar. What?
3: Uh, two daps. First one uh, over the weekend. I saw the big sick. It was an limited release. Uh, New York and L.A. It's produced by Judd Apatow, hmm. directed by Michael Showalter, nice. starring Kumail Nanjiani and uh, Zoe Kazan, and it's based on Kumail's real life with his wife, actually, because <laughs> while they were, well, no, like, well, they were dating. She came down with some incredibly rare illness and had to be put into a medically induced coma for months. Uh, So that's kind of the center of the story is a young Pakistani guy and this white girl are dating and she gets put into this coma and it kind of throws him in with her family and stuff like that. Amazing movie. It's super funny, super heartfelt, super touching Honestly can't recommend it highly enough. Wow. It was phenomenal. Uh, I thought, What's the name of it again? The Big Sick. The Big Sick. Yep. yep. S-I-C-K. C. I've seen the
1: I've seen the commercials for it. I just couldn't remember. So
3: I think it's opening wide soon. Um, so keep an eye out for it when it comes to your theater, but go check it out. It's super funny. Mm-hmm. It's like I said, it's got a great heart to it. And it's not like it's still hilarious without being like super raunchy, like some sure. of those other Appletown movies that yeah. they hit for a while with like uh, super bad and uh, uh what's the one I'm forgetting, oh knocked up and stuff like that. It's just it's really great, so I can't recommend it highly enough. Second thing, much dumber, one of the stupidest things I think I've ever watched in my life, but I was like cry laughing last night at midnight in the streets of Westwood as I was walking Charlie because I stumbled upon this video. It was a guy that used to do it on Vine, and it was called Pronouncing Things Incorrectly. Okay. <laughs> so he would do the six second Vine of just him like with Like brands or fruits or, you know, cereals or random signs for stores. Okay. And he would just horribly mispronounce them. And it's just like he'll do like five or six of them things just like bam, 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 bam. It's so dumb, but it's hilarious. I need this in my life. There's a compilation video on YouTube. And I think people must have thought I was psychotic as I was just walking through the streets like scream laughing with Charlie. So – just I need this guy pronouncing in life. things incorrectly on YouTube and you will not be disappointed.
2: I like it. Cynthia Freeland, do we have daily daps from you, ma'am?
1: We do. We have two. So, um it's summer and you know how like when we were little you have to like read books in the summer and you get like stickers and stuff. So yeah. like, I've been like consuming books like a maniac. Like yeah. I'm like at for like, two you. or three a week. It's crazy. Oh, I'm jealous of the awesome pace. I know. It's good. So I just read read this really good data science book. Yep, I said it. <laughs> Um, but it, it's actually, like, it's something that I think... I, I read a great
2: data uh, science book.
1: No, I would not recommend it here if I didn't oh think that our listeners <sighs> really like it. All right. It's called Everybody Lies. Okay. And it's it's a really great book because it basically says that, it, okay, fair warning, there are some things in there, like, they talk about some things that are a little raunchy. But okay. But it's good. The, the This guy, Seth, the the author, Seth Stevens-Davidovitz, so I'm, I'm just butchering his name but he um ultimately he took years worth of google search data and he like mapped it to the most amazing things that tell us truths about ourselves. he talks about the election he talks about what oh it's fantastic book okay so it's really it's worth the read it just came out i'm a big fan i mean i'm a i'm a it's it's a good it's a good read so that's my first one okay and then my second app oreo cookies
2: yeah it's a great choice i just like them (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Things we learn on the NFL Fantasy Live podcast. I love it. Uh, I will give my 1st undaps to Chris Paul, CP3. Uh, got traded over to the Rockets because he said he did not want to play for the L.A. Clippers anymore. Uh, I just good. don't.
1: Then you want him gone then. That's fine. If he doesn't want to play for them, then that's good. No, no, here's the
2: thing. I, I, and, and, you know, I, I know, you know, Clipper Nation, all that kind of thing. Okay, but it's not, it's not that I'm mad at him for leaving. I'm not that guy. I'm just saying <laughs> I'm really not that guy. Like KD going to the Golden State Warriors, I'm down. Do, do you. It's all good, but I just to me, this the, it doesn't make any sense. I mean. Why? First of all, the money. It makes absolute oh, no sense. Oh, it does for, make sense from the money. No, it ma- makes absolutely. sense. The Rockets
1: no, go- need cap space, and no, no, he's still got his no, no, bird. no, no, no. I'm talking rate. about,
2: yes, he retains his bird rights. That's right. fine. So, and he's going to take an $11 million hit this year with the thought that he could then sign a Supermax deal uh, at the end of next season. Bro, you're playing with $200 million in change. Uh, For a guy that has an extensive injury history, you're telling me at the age of 33, somebody's going to sign this guy to a five-year Supermax deal with those injuries? And, again, we're talking about playing around with $200 million. Let's say he blows out an Achilles. Let's say he blows out an ACL, whatever it might be. That money is bye-bye. It's just, to me, I don't know. It, did, it didn't make sense from a financial standpoint to me. From a basketball standpoint, it makes absolutely no sense. His style of gameplay does not mesh with what I think will work well with the Mike D'Antoni system. You who, just mean James Harden. I, there's James Harden there who is also a ball-dominant guard as well who just who just put in an MVP-level type season, and you're going to ask him to step aside and give the ball to CP. I Wait, just, why, are you stepping, I've got, why is he stepping aside? CP3, CP3 on three on is three, well, to like Blake
1: be, Griffin and he, I mean, they both had—they put up— pretty significant numbers together. and we're having a significant basketball talk which i love but we'll move on i just don't think
2: <laughs> i didn't like it from a basketball standpoint we'll take it offline. i didn't like it from a financial standpoint i just to me it just didn't make a whole hell of a lot of sense but it whatever. definitely
1: was it definitely was like whoa
2: oh but for sure. i think
1: you dig in a little deeper and you see like i think if
2: you went to san antonio i'm all about it i'd be super happy for cp3 i think it'd be great for the league blah 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 blah. anyways daps to the great british Breaking show <laughs> Total left turn here. I, I just, my wife was into it, and I just started watching a few episodes like, I don't know, like four or five weeks ago. And I first of all, I'm a sucker for cooking shows. Like I love Chopped. I love all They're those. They're so copies.
3: addicting. Oh my god! I know
1: I can't stop watching. The I theater. love them, dude.
3: especially Chopped. Like if that's on, I'm like, I yep. really have crap. I should. I have do so much partner. to do. <laughs> it's only it's such a
1: small commitment. Right. Let me let What's me
2: let me watch it through this one break. Yes. No. Um. I I love cooking competition shows. I'm a sucker for them all. Um. Great British Baking Show. Mary Berry. Paula Hollywood. Mel. Uh, I'm going to butcher her name. Uh, it's okay. I did that already. Droyk and Sue Perkins, who I absolutely love. Um, Sue Perkins, I think, to me, is a superstar. But, uh, but yes, On Your Marks, get set to bake. Uh, I The Great British Baking <laughs> Show. It's on PBS. You can find it on Netflix as well. The most current season is currently nice. on Netflix. Go check it out. What a bunch of daps. I know. It's
3: all over the place. Big data novel or not novel, a book, which I have on my list
2: now. No, you movies. should. It, it's
1: it great. You can audio book. Awesome. It's really it looks good. It's awesome.
2: Really good. It is all over the place. We have basketball. We got the. We got some cooking shows in. We got some movies.
1: Do you have anything about the Dodgers really quick? Because, I mean, <laughs> Just they're on a roll. <laughs> in all the, Bellinger.
2: Cody Bellinger yeah. is a beast. That's going to do it for our go. show today. <laughs> for the whiskey from Wisconsin, Alex Gelhar, Cynthia Freeland joining us on this beautiful Wednesday. I'm James Coe. We'll see you.
0: You go into your shower feeling